Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. This is Jim Whalen back with the Midlife Crisis podcast. Uh, if you like the music, my daughter Bridget's in the studio. She's the one who picked it out. She's doing her homework here on a uh, Wednesday afternoon. Dave Sturchos also is in, in the studio. He's making his acting debut in Beer League, the series. Beer League was Artie Lang's movie uh, many years ago. Uh, his Combata uh, Cheech, uh, Jimmy uh, Palumbo, is, uh, is putting life back in the series. It's on YouTube. It's good stuff. The conversation continues with baseball. Nearly 30 years ago, the game of baseball stopped on August 12, 1994. My Blood Yankees uh, were in first place. Don Manley had a chance to play in the World Series, which was stalled over a labor agreement uh, about uh, salary cap. The Montreal Expos having the best season in baseball with a record of 74-40. and 40. Six games ahead of Atlanta Braves with the big three with uh, Smoltz, Glavin, and Maddox. The last time the Expos had an opportunity like this was 1981 and the other uh, shortened season when uh, when Rick Monday ended their dreams. That was another strike season. My guest is following the Expos for 51 years. He wrote nine books. He's currently writing his 10th book due out in, in February. I'm privileged and honored to introduce Danny Gallagher, beat writer for the Montreal Expos and lifelong Expos fan. I said it's Mr. Expo, so it's a uh, it's nice to finally. It took you a while, but bonjour. So uh, just calling to and talking to you a little bit about the, about the Expo. So it's just I, I saw I saw you wrote about nine books, so I wanted to reach out to you because uh, we're coming up to about the thirty year anniversary, probably the best team the Expos had. You seem to have intimate knowledge on the Expo. You still put things on Twitter and everything else. So I thought it was, you would be an interesting guest. I mainly cover basketball, but uh, I just wanted to switch gears a little bit with, with baseball. So we had a couple of weeks ago, I guess, Tom Brady finally uh, retired the last expo to retire. You talk a little bit about, and you talk about that a little bit in your, in your book. I got two of your books right here. They're, they're good reads. So if anybody's looking for a yeah. good baseball read, there's one of nine books, Daddy. But we'll talk about you a little bit about about Tom Brady. Uh, you know, he just retired, and his history with the the Expos. Yeah, very interesting. Tom Brady has a connection to the Expos going back to June of 1995 when he was drafted by the Expos. What in about the 18th round, the Expos would have drafted him earlier, uh, but they. They knew that he was going to Michigan on a scholarship. And they probably, if they knew that he might sign, that they would have drafted him higher, maybe in the second round. And if they were willing to offer him $500,000 to sign, which was pretty good money in those days. But uh, it never got to that point. John News of California, the scout who followed Birdie for a long time, went to Tom Brady's uh, house with you know, where his father was, Tom Brady Sr., who I've talked to you know, okay. a number of times on Twitter and on the phone. But uh, they had already made the decision that Tom Jr. was going to Michigan. But, they, you know, they gave it a, a good try. They liked the way that Brady was six foot three, you know, way about 200, and he looked like a real professional athlete. And, uh, had potential to be a major league player, and he he was a catcher too. That that was his, and he was a lefty a lefty hitter, correct? He was a catcher and a lefty, lefty batter. That's right. Yeah, doing pretty good there at the 
Sarah High School in uh, California, you know, near California, San Francisco. And uh, they really liked the way he looked as a catcher. So, you know, he would have fit in there pretty good. Uh, he probably would have reached the majors, let's say, by about 1998 if he had signed with the Expos. Do you think that 94, the strike hurt him? If, if say, for instance, if the Expos, they had the, I was going to get to that team, but they had the best record in baseball. They were beaten. They had the Braves up by six games with the big three, Glavin, Smoltz, and Maddox. You think if they got to the World Series or won the World Series, that would change the decision, or he was still locked in on football? Uh, it's a good question, uh, Jim. I think that he may have looked at the situation and and saw that Montreal was uh, dismantling the team in April of 1995 at spring training after the, the strike, which dragged on until around, what, April the 1st of 1995. Yeah. I don't know what his thinking was. He's explained in, in one of his books that he's written that catching in baseball would have put more uh, pressure on the knees, and it was actually easier to play football. So yeah, I mean, that's crazy to think that about. That was it. <laughs> Well, what's your connection to club, Dan? I found you online. I found your books. You wrote nine books in the Expos, but you seem to be Mr. Expo. What's your connection to the club? Just being a fan? Did you have any formal uh, connection to the, to the Montreal Expos? Uh, I've been a writer for close to 52 years and uh, watched the Expos when I was growing up near Ottawa, Canada. And uh, But I was on the Expos beat as a beat writer for 1988 for many years. And what I, uh, that really propelled my enthusiasm for the Expos, wrote a lot of stories for the various newspapers and uh, websites that I went covering the Expos. And then, of course, writing all these uh, uh, Expos books. So I'm a bit of a uh, historian yeah. uh, well, on the Expos. Well, I'll tell you, I, I delved in these two books, uh, you know, Always Remembered and uh, Around the Horn. These two two books, one of your nine books, they're easy reads. I was reading them at night. So just to, before this interview, I mean, it, it brings it back. You highlight some some of the seasons. You highlight some of the uh, some of the players. So uh, obviously, you were around in 1981. That was as close as the Expos came to the World Series. Of course, you talk a little bit about uh, Rick Monday and and that series. I know it's probably hard. Well, it's, probably, it's, really... it's probably tough. And you wrote a book, Blue Monday, uh, about about that. Exactly. You know what, Jim? I really appreciate your your great knowledge of, of, of the Expos and what I've been writing about. Uh, so 1981 was the first year and only year that the Expos made the playoffs in the strike-shortened season. And, uh, you know, they clinched it on October the 3rd, and then they ended up beating the Phillies in the best-of-five series, uh, three games to two, and they faced the Dodgers. And... Uh, at one point in the series, they're leading two games to one over the Dodgers and then lost the last two games. And uh, in the final game, the score was 1-1 in the top of the ninth inning in Montreal. And Jim Fanning, the manager, decided to bring in Steve Rogers, who was the starting pitcher uh, for so many years and thought that, you know, considering he thought Rogers was the best pitcher to pitch the ninth inning. And unfortunately, uh, Rick Mundy hit it out through the thick 
air at uh, Olympic Stadium to win the game. And uh, just highlight some of the players on the team. Who was on that 80, 81 team? Just uh, just what are, what are some of the marquee players that they had on that 81 team? The Expos. The, what, what's your question again, uh, Jim? Highlight some of the – who are some of the highlighted players on the 81 team that, that part of that foundation? Who, who, who's on that team, the Expos? Who were some of the big names? Yeah, that's right. Gary Carter was the catcher. Juan Comadre was at first. Rodney Scott at second, Chris Byer at short, and Larry Parrish in uh, at third, and the outfield did, uh, you know, Andre Dawson, Tim Raines, and uh, they they had a number of other outfielders, um, but you know they and they had the pitching and Steve Rogers and Woody Fryman and and so on, and uh, Jeff Rudin was the closer. So they they had a really well-rounded team of offense, defense, and and pitching, and the bullpen. Uh, Jeff Rudin, you know, had he had his problems pitching in the postseason, and uh, and the last few games, uh, Jim Fanning did not use uh, Jeff Rudin, and then Jeff Rudin was had a, some sort of injuries, but he but had been cleared by the trainer to pitch in Game Five against the Dodgers, but. Jim Fanning decided to go with uh, Steve Rogers. And then Bill Lee was a left-hander. He was available. He probably should have pitched against Rick Mundy in that certain situation. But, uh, you know, they had, uh, they finally made it in the postseason. They had some great teams in 79 and 80 and finally were able to get into the uh, postseason where, they, you know, they, I guess they kind of upset the, the bad vaunted Phillies and made it into the series against the Dodgers. Yeah, because the Phillies were coming off a, a World Series win in '80. So uh, you know, with Tug McGraw and, and that and that that crew, is there still an appetite for Expos uh, baseball with fans? Is there still like people still? You know, I know they have like Expo Fest. Is there still an appetite up in Montreal and that? Part of Canada, these people still talk about expos and talk is baseball, and they still watch the sport up in up in that uh that region of the world. Well, I can tell you from 2004 when they went to Washington until 2012, there was basically nothing going on in terms of any enthusiasm about the expos. And then Warren Comardi from that 1981 team. Uh, decided to hold a couple of reunions, one in 2012 for the 81 Expos, and then two years later for the 1994 Expos. And that was kind of like the start of the rejuvenation or passion of bringing back baseball to Montreal. Uh, so the Blue Jays also held a number of exhibition games in Montreal for a few years after that. And there was great support from the Montreal community, not only that, uh, Quebec, even Burlington, Vermont, and Plattsburgh, New York, and even Toronto, they came to support the Expos, uh, you know, those games to show Major League Baseball that uh, Montreal could support another team. So, and then what happened, Jim, in uh, a few years ago is that Stephen Broppen, a prospective owner of the Expos, uh, Get in discussions with Tampa Bay about a split season part time scenario in Montreal 
whereby a number of Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay games would be played in Montreal. Uh, and that, But that was turned down by the Major League owners and the commissioner's office. So as of January of 2022, it kind of, the enthusiasm kind of ground to a halt because Stephen Broplin said when he finished his news conference to announce that this split season concept with Tampa Bay was no longer a goal, he said, is a full team, full-time team viable? meaning one for 162 games, he said, I don't know. And since then, he hasn't really gone public about what he wants to do. But one of his partners said that 162-game schedule like is too much. 81 games is too much for fans to try to support. Plus, the, to have a full-time team costs a lot of money, like a... a expansion fee let's say it's one one billion and to put together a team and put together money to build a new stadium in downtown montreal is a lot of money so i think it's kind of scaring people away but rob manfred he's hitting at expansion bids pretty soon i'm kind of guessing he's going to open that up sometime in 2024 so it will be interesting to see if anybody from Montreal or whoever puts in a bid for Montreal to get another team. Let's just, well, you had the 81 team. That was a strike year. And then 94 team, like I mentioned before, they were the best team in baseball. I guess they were ahead of the Atlanta Braves with the big, big three in, 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 uh, by six games. And then April 2nd, you know, everything came to a screeching halt. I mean, they had Pedro Martinez, Moiselu was the, the manager, Darren Fletcher, I mean, Omar Zaluzzo was a player. For his dad, he played for his dad, Felipe Alou. Uh, Will Cordero, Rondell White, Kenny Hill had a great season. Uh, Mike Lanson. And how good was that team in 94? And do you think that they could have right the wrongs of 81? Exactly. They had they were loaded with talent. I called it firework in baseball. A lot of great offense, good starting pitching, great defense, a, a great bullpen. They had it all. They, they were confident that they could almost beat any team on any given night. Uh, Larry Walker had 44 doubles at, at strike time. He probably would have hit 60 doubles. Yet Moises Lou and Marquise Grissom and all these other guys that you mentioned. And the bullpen was kind of locked down at the end of the game. If, if, somebody, if they had a lead, then the Expos pretty much won the game. So, yeah, they, and they, they had a the great manager in pretty Barry Lou. They were the best uh, bullpen so, in baseball. So, I mean, they're the relief. They had a lot, lot of good relief, relief pitching. And, and Ken Hill probably could have won 20 games that year, I guess, the, 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 way, the way he was going. But that all stopped August August 12th. And, uh, you know, as a Yankee fan, you know, I was a big Don Manley fan in the 80s. And that ruined his opportunity. They could have squared off with the with the Expos. That would have been nice to see, a nice nice conversation. But well, like, one thing about baseball, the history – and the conversation, you know, that always, that always, uh, is always part of the baseball lore. Exactly. Like, uh, the Expos and the Yankees and, and the White Sox and the Braves, uh, I'm assuming the Expos would have made the playoffs that year, but how far, there, there were some great teams. I'm sure if they had met up against the Yankees, 
you know, let's say in the World Series, it would have been quite a battle. There'd be no guarantee that the yeah. Expos would win, even though they had a record of 74 and 40 and just kind of, you know, really in high gear at the time of the strike. They, there's a lot of good teams, Jim, that year, including the Yankees. Yeah, so it's been 30 years of the strike. How bad was that impact on, on the organization? 1994 going back, going up to the 2004 season now, or 2024 season. How bad was that impact of that strike? Do you think that they would have caught the momentum because they're they were losing attendance? They didn't have they were one of the lowest in attendance in the league. Do you think that would have kind of the spark that would have kind of kept the franchise going? But that seemed to be like the beginning and the end. Just tell me about what do you think about that that season and the impact it had on the longevity of of the Expos franchise? Yeah, exactly. The uh, when that strike dragged on all winter four or five months or whatever, they had no ticket sales going. Everything was at a, at a standstill because the players were on strike and there was no ticket sales. So when the strike was settled and the, and the owners and the players kind of agreed to something, the, uh, the Expo's uh, ownership group led by managing general partner Claude Bouchou decided he could not afford all of these players from 1994, and he told general manager Kevin Malone to trade uh, Bucky's Grissom, Ken Hill, and John Wetland, and they didn't offer a contract to Larry Walker. So there's four key players gone from 1994. Yeah. See, that was like the call of the fire sale, and that was, as you suggest, that was the beginning of the end of the Expo, even though they didn't leave town for 10 years. But that was a real blow to the Expos ownership group and the fans, they would have uh, they would have uh, made the playoffs and generated so much revenue to keep those players for 1995 and on. Like they were building up a little dynasty there in Montreal. The 1993 season, they won 94 games and didn't uh, make the playoffs. At that time, there was no... Uh, Card, but they they were building up a mini dynasty and they would have without a strike they probably would have been together that group until i don't know let's say 96 97 and they, they it would have solidified the future of the expos if there had been no strike and maybe they you know would still be in town and maybe the prospect of, of a a ballpark in the 1990s would have gone ahead, but uh, things got stalled, and uh, that's just what happened. And Dan Duquette was the arch architect, a lot of the getting, getting a lot of that talent, and he left in '93, I guess. How good was he as a general manager, getting kind of finding this talent, putting that that team together with a low payroll? Oh, Dan Duquette was really wonderful. He was brilliant. He had the great imagination of picking players from other teams, trading to get players from other teams who were not making a lot of money. That was, that was his forte, was to identify players who were not making a lot of money, like Ken Hill and John Wetland. And the big one, of course, is Pedro. In November yeah. 1993, he convinced the Dodgers to give up Pedro Martinez for the line of the Shields. 
And Pedro, I think the next year was only making maybe 200,000 with uh, the Expos in 1994. So Dan was able to, you know, get accumulated quite a a roster. He traded Andre Galarraga after the 91 season uh, to the Cardinals for Ken Hill. Uh, Galarraga was making like, I don't know, 2,000, or excuse me, 2.5 million, and Ken maybe making about 300,000. So there was another steal right there. Uh, so yeah, Dan Duquette deserves a lot of accolades for uh, putting together that team in 93 and 94. Well, even Pedro, I guess he probably liked his time in Montreal because I think when he won, you have it in one of your books, uh, what did he say when he won, finally won the World Series with Boston? What was, a, what was the statement he made? Uh, Pedro Martinez. Well, he was outstanding. Like when he was with the Dodgers, he was a, lever, a reliever. But uh, Felipe Lou uh, decided to turn him into a starting pitcher, and he just took off. He um, that fastball. He would he would uh, go inside on batters and and and, and pick corners, and uh, he was outstanding. He had that. Great slider and a changeup too for for a guy that weighs about 150, 160 pounds. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. was really really something else. He um, enjoyed his time with Montreal when the Expos, excuse me, when the Red Sox finally won the World Series after so many years in 2004. He went on camera and really thanked the Expos for having him in Montreal for four years and. You know, with the, without a strike, that he probably would have played a few more years in in Montreal, but they they traded him after the '97 season, also because he wanted to kind of move on too, because they they were trading away players and uh, maybe just not as strong as they were in '93, '94. And, and uh, you've in some of your books, you uh, you kind of highlight some of the exposed players. Who who would be your like your top five? Greatest Expo players. I mean, Gary Carter would be up there. I mean, you see me handed, uh, 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 you know, if you think about Expo's baseball, who, who who comes to mind as far as the five greatest players in your opinion? Uh, I guess Andre Dawson yeah. is kind of like my all time favorite all around player. Yeah. With the, the Hawks, Expo. Right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, Larry Walker ranks away up there, Tim Raines, and Vlad Guerrero, and um, there's another There's another guy I'm missing. Dawson, yeah. Raines, Carter, yeah, Guerrero, and Walker. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's a lot. There, there's a lot. Larry Walker is big. Um, you know, Oil Can Boyd, that that that's probably all name team. So Oil Can Boyd, you know, he he was up at, at the Expos. So um, just talk a little bit about the '94 team. You know, before before they were like 23 and three. They had a good stretch. They they were they were starting to get the momentum. Just talk a little bit about the '94 team. And, and they're yeah, they, and, uh, and that season as a as a whole, and it all came to scratching uh, screeching a halt. Well, see, they were taking off, uh, continuing what they were doing in 93. And in 94, they really improved themselves by getting Pedro. And then uh, 
Ken Hill was really, really strong. As you say, he would have 20, won 20 games at least if the strike had not taken place. And see what, uh, you know, they had Walker and Alou and Grissom in the outfield, probably one of the best outfields in all of baseball for several years. Yeah, so three dynamite players, you know. So Walker's. Yeah, Moises. And Moises Alou uh, made a great comeback in 94 after breaking his leg in September of 1993. He was just phenomenal. His, his strength and will to come back and play in 1994 was really tremendous. Grissom, all of those guys, they all had great speed in the outfield and they could, they had great offensive prowess. They, they just had, as I said earlier, firework and baseball it was really exciting. Felipe where I have the hit and run, the uh, stealing bases and, uh, it was just a really a competitive team. Uh, Darren Fletcher and Lenny Webster behind the plate and uh, the bullpen, you know, as uh, John Wetland and Mel Rojas was the setup guy. And uh, Tim Scott was the seventh inning guy. And even Jeff Shaw, who went on to be a bullpen closer for other teams later, he was a great part of that uh, pitching staff uh, bullpen as well. When did you learn about the Expos moving to, to Washington? How, how did you find out about it? And, and were you covering the team at the time uh, when they, 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 the announcement was being made? Yeah, I was uh, I was uh, writing for the Globe and Mail in Toronto at that time. And uh, so that was really a shocker uh, that Major League Baseball decided to do that. See, in my next book coming out in Oh, February, in a few months in February of uh, 2024, I guess it's a couple of months from now. I, I'm going into detail about the final days of the Expos, trying to get more information that hadn't been revealed in the last 20 years. So, you know, picked up some information, you know, wondering why that Major League Baseball would wait until, you know, the final home game to announced that the team was leaving. I guess they didn't want to announce it two weeks before or a month before because it really upset the Expos fans. So up until that final game, September 29, 2004, the Expos management and the fans were expecting another team to return to Montreal in 2005. So, and then on the night of September the 28th, which was a night game that, that ended about 10-15, Claude Delorme, who was kind of a really big assistant in the Expos operation, was told that the radio report that night, it indicated that the team would be moving uh, with an official announcement on September 29th, the next day. So finally, after a few years of all these rumors, that the Expos were leaving, it was finally true that they were going to leave. So September 29th was a very emotional day for fans and media and management. The players went into the Expos offices and started shedding tears and hugging the, the Expos secretaries and all those 45 people, full-time people who worked in the office because they were losing their jobs, the uh, receptionists and the and whoever, 
So it was a very emotional day. And then, you know, they, that night they, uh, they played the game. Uh, a lot of bottles were saw golf balls thrown on the field, and they had to tell the fan to cut it out or they're going to call the yeah, game. Sure, I'm sure. Well, I mean, I'm coming from New Jersey, so it would be even worse. To, I know when the Jets left Shea, I think they destroyed the place and they ripped up the, ripped up the grass, so they're probably mild. But uh, what's the name of the book you have coming out in in uh, 24? Yeah, it's the... a continuation, Jim, of my previous four books. It's kind of like a series of, of vintages, uh, long short stories about the franchise from 69 to 2004. So the 2020 Always Remembered was the first book in that series. So what I'm doing is just a collection of interviews with different players over the years that maybe I didn't have in previous books. So... It's just a continuing series of uh, of uh, players and, and special events, including September 29, 2004. And I talked to some of the people who were involved from, from New York in terms of relocating the Expos to Washington, what teams in other cities were, were considered. Uh, so it's, a, it's my... Um, 10th book about the Expos, and it's also like an anniversary book, so it's a, going to be jam-packed. It's a little bit longer and bigger than my previous books. It's going to be uh, quite a quite a gem. I call it a special commemorative uh, edition of the Expos, and at this point, it's called, it, it's the main title called Explosion, which is a kind of a takeoff on <laughs> Well, yeah, that, that that name yeah. fits. That name fits. But just uh, a, a little bit. Uh, what did you do after after they left? What was your what was your uh, like? What did you do after uh, after they left? Did you still cover cover Washington? Did you cover baseball? Like what what did you do? Uh, well, mostly <laughs> mostly Blue Jays stuff after two thousand four. And then, you know, nostalgia stories about the Expos. But basically, it was uh, the Blue Jays and stories about uh, Canadian baseball, Canadian baseball history for the for the Golden Mail and other uh, newspapers uh, as well. And, just Expos. and then it all kind of picked up a little bit more in 2012 when there was more stories to write that the, this passion, you know, started again in 2012. 2012. And this, and but the right Expos, now it looks kind of, kind of bleak. What's that, Jim? You know, I'm saying Expos Fest. Is that still going on in Cooperstown? Or are they, are they doing any reunion uh, Expos Fest? I know that you, 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 you said that in your book. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's been going on in Montreal since about 2016. It was started by a fan uh, by the name of Perry Giannis. And what he's doing is just bringing in different players from different eras uh, to show the fans that he really cares about the hopefully getting the team back in Montreal. And this one in April 20th of 2024 is a, a, a autograph festival uh, commemorating the 1994 team. So it should be a good one. 
Yeah, I mean, it sounds sounds like it. So, uh, did you go to any of the uh, Hall of Fame inductions, either uh, Andre Dawson, Tim Raines? Did you go to any uh, Hall of Fame inductions when they got inducted into the Hall of Fame? Yeah, it's an interesting question, uh, Jim. My very first time going to Cooperstown was in 2015 when Pedro and Randy Johnson, I believe that was a year, well, anyway, that year that Pedro and Randy Johnson were inducted, we we're both former Expos, so I made a point that I'm going there. Uh, so it was really a treat to go to, to Cooperstown and see that and kind of squeeze in a couple of questions to Pedro and Randy at these little scrums at yeah. the Hall of Fame the day, the day before the induction. So quite a thrill to do that. And then I've been at the, I was at the Tim Raines induction uh later on and uh yeah those three guys actually i've been at i've been at three or four inductions um i'm trying to try to <laughs> jim i'm trying to think yeah, that's all right yeah I'm, I'm wrapping up wrapping up here but anyway um what's your optim you're optimistic of getting montreal baseball in back in montreal what are you optimistic are you pessimistic what do you what do you think uh, I think it's kind of bleak right now because there's no ownership group that has been public in showing any interest in, in uh, bidding for a franchise. You see, Salt Lake City and Nashville and Portland have official groups set up to get the ball rolling once Rob Manfred asks for expansion bids, and Montreal does not have that group, although Steve Brockman and his group had shown a lot of interest in that split season concept, but they have not shown any interest right now in pursuing an expansion bid. But I would think, Jim, when the expansion bids are called for, that there's got to be some sort of action from somebody trying to bid for Montreal. I'd be really shocked and disappointed if nobody bid to get the city of Montreal back with another expansion team. But to, to, you know, right now, it looks kind of bleak. But mm -hmm. that, maybe I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Stephen Brockman is very private and quiet. His sure. father, Charles, talks to me anytime I want to talk to him by email. But Stephen is the exact opposite. He did not, he's not very open. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know I guess I mean? he probably doesn't want to tip his hand. But with this, that, Danny, just what's your handle on X now? Because you put up a lot of good stuff on uh, X, formerly Twitter. What's your handle on, on X? Because you put up a lot of history on the Expos. What's your, what's your Twitter handle? Yeah, uh, it's Dan, uh, Dano Gallagher 7, D-A-N-N-O. Gallagher, G A L L A G H G R seven. Seven is like my favorite number. Yeah. So, but uh, I mean, you put up a, a lot of good, good, good stuff there. But listen, good luck with the book, uh, Dan. I appreciate your time. Sorry we had some technical issues, but uh, listen, it was nice walking down memory lane with you. But I, I appreciate the time, and uh, you know, hopefully that uh, we'll see Montreal baseball in some form uh, back. But it's really, I really enjoy the books. I'm looking forward to the next one. Maybe uh, I'll make a trip up to Montreal and uh, 
go to his expo especially see what see what all the uh all the hubbub is about but listen danny thank you very much for yep. your time thanks for getting email i'm following you on twitter it's great stuff but our ex i'm following you but thank you very much for your time and uh you know, you know happy I appreciate holidays you having me on jim yeah no yeah, problem thank, thank you so much yeah thank you sir have a great night i'd like to thank danny gallagher for his time buy one of his books they're great reads uh if, especially if you're a baseball historian, look out for Expos Fest, 30-year anniversary of the 1994 strike shortened season. Also, look out for Danny's book in February 2024. Also, follow him on X. He puts up a lot of good information about the Montreal Expos, baseball history, and everything else. Very entertaining. Thank you, Danny, for your time, and happy holidays to you and your family.